We work hard at being healthier. And what we really need is better quality sleep. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed intelligently senses your movements and automatically adjusts your comfort and support on both sides. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. It's the biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing only for a limited time. To find your local Sleep Number store, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. Shoot him in the face, they basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blow this head off. And I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I saw three long bony fingers with like claws on the end reach up underneath the door curl up to grab it and then disappear it's almost like they're unzippering our reality they stick their heads through and they look around and if it looks like the coast is clear they step through the rest of the direction if you take the head you get the whole package if you don't take the head off then what happens is they disappear This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. But then I look over to my left, on the far side of the room, and there's Jack. And he's got blood on his face. He looks at me, and he just says one word. Oops. I've been killing ETs longer than most people have careers. I reached my hand into this bush and I touched air. I couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. to the show everybody you are listening to the confessionals a proud featured show of blogtalkradio.com i am your host tony merkel thanks for being here if you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show go ahead and shoot me an email my email address is the confessionals podcast at gmail.com that's the confessionals podcast at gmail.com 
or you can go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the connection section, and you can reach me that way as well. Now, I want to remind everybody that we are going to the Frank Saris Library on April 14th, 2018 in Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania. That means next Saturday, I will be in Cannonsburg at the Bigfoot Town Hall meeting with my brother. Dave Groves will be out there, Doug Waller. It's going to be a great time. So if you are within a four to five hour driving distance of Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania, I highly recommend you coming out to meet me and have some fun. And like I've been saying, we're going to go out to dinner afterwards. It'll be a great time to just kind of chill and hang out. So I highly encourage you, if you have any interest in Bigfoot and you're within four to five hours from there, come on out and hang out with us. It'll be a great time. Now let's get into this week's iTunes ratings and reviews. If you don't have iTunes and you still want to help the show, go ahead and share the show on social media. That will help us out a ton and I would greatly appreciate it. But this week's iTunes shoutouts is 10OBDGOK, Sasquatch73, JMO301, and David V9. Thanks a lot for going to iTunes and leaving that rating and review. If you leave a rating and review on iTunes, I will give you a shout out on the following week's show. So keep that in mind. Now, the shout outs for Patreon this week, we have Patrick N and Sonia G. And those are people who went to the patreon.com backslash the confessionals. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash the confessionals. That's a page where you can go and help support the show. And there's a ton of different rewards there for you when you do so. So if that's something that you think you'd like to do, go ahead to patreon.com backslash the confessionals. Check it out and see all the different rewards. Now this week we bring on Seth to the show. And Seth has a lot of different encounters that he'd like to share with us. But the one One that really caught me and my ear is when he talked about being in the woods hunting and he sees a church totally appear right before him and he watches it for about 20 minutes and then it disappears. Very fascinating show and I'm excited to present it to you tonight. So hang in there with me and we'll get right into it right after this. hard at being healthier and what we really need is better quality sleep the new sleep number 360 smart bed intelligently senses your movements and automatically adjusts your comfort and support on both sides this is not a bed it's proven quality sleep it's the biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale save 50 percent on the new sleep number 360 limited edition smart bed plus special financing only for a limited time to find your local sleep number store go to sleepnumber.com special financing subject to credit approval minimum monthly payments required see store for details Okay, tonight I have a good guest coming on here. I got Seth. Seth, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Good, man. So you and I were just talking a little bit about some of the details that you emailed me about. And uh, you got a lot of different stuff to cover here tonight. So I hope everybody kind of buckles up and, you know, is in for a ride here. Just, you know, lean back, turn down the lights a little bit, you know, and just turn up the confessionals because you're in for a good treat tonight. Uh, Let's start off here tonight with your haunted warehouse experience. Now, you said that you worked in this warehouse and you've had experiences. Is that right? That is correct. Yes, sir. All right. So, so why don't you just kind of walk us into, you know, what you've experienced while you were working there? Well, uh, I went to work at the warehouse in about 2005. Two, yeah, about 2005. Um, it's in downtown. Actually, it's 
if you look at a map downtown uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas, it's actually a couple blocks from the uh, the gallows that, um, you know, there's the courthouse and where the hanging judge Parker, you know, presided. And then there's gallows there where they used to, to hang. If anybody remembers the, the uh, Clint Eastwood movie, Hang Em High, um, that's the, yeah. you know, he, he would always take them back to the Fort Smith. And so, um, but, uh, I got a job working and I was working on, it was really great. I was, um, trying to go, trying to do college and, um, at time, you know, I was in the, the army reserves and so it just, everything worked together, the scheduling and everything worked out perfect. It was a good job for me, but, um, and it's, not just, I mean, it's, it's an old warehouse building. It was actually inside this warehouse. They built huge refrigeration rooms. And so they had hired, and basically I have a little office, um, that I would be in. And every 30 minutes I would kind of get out and kind of walk the perimeter, um, and check the gauges on, in different rooms to, and also, kind of be the uh, the nose looking for an ammonia leak <laughs> you know in case one broke out lucky you <laughs> yeah <laughs> well it's only one way if you know there's a leak <laughs> you get out of there quick and um it was one of is an area that, of town that literally used to be the red light district as a matter of fact it's uh next to the visitor center um which openly used to be a cat house. I mean, they're very open. You go in, there's a little museum and they talked about like the coins and all that and how it all worked. But I got hurt on and, uh, you know, once work got, once the workers got off, I would be the only one, in, you know, on site. And, you know, probably a couple of weeks in, I'd notice that, you know, there was like, yeah, after I said the office set up, there was office I was in, and then there was a, an office off of that. And so I would notice that, like, because, you know, be headphones, listen to music, or I'd be reading or whatever between my little 30-minute walks. But that, off, that office door would open and close. You know, like, I would leave to do my check, and that door would be closed. Well, when I come back, it'd be open. And, um... Uh, yeah, you know, I just kept thinking, like, yeah, this is weird. And, uh, but I'm not going to jump to conclusions and say, oh, you know, it's, it's ghosts or it's this or it's that. But uh, what really got my attention was I walked into a room and there's loud machinery, so you have to put on earmuffs. I walked in and I was writing down uh, gauge readings and I felt like a hand get put on you know, my shoulder and kind of pull like somebody's getting my attention. Every now and then, um, because there's enough stuff was computerized that there's a maintenance technician that would periodically come out because the computer would alert him and he'd come out and check to see what the problem was. So I thought that he was only that he came in and he was just getting my attention. So you know, very distinctly felt the hand you know pull on me, and I turned around expecting to see the maintenance guy, and there's nobody there, and I was like what uh i mean the door to the room was locked it was a 
a key lock. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I finished checks and uh, that's when I started paying a lot more attention. And just, I said, that door would be open and closed. There is a big, there's a hallway outside the, the office and there was a big window um, where I could see out into the hall and um, was in there and I heard running footsteps come down the hall. And so I stood up and looked because there shouldn't be anybody in here. And the sound of the footsteps came running by that window, but nobody was there. I mean, so I came out in the hall and the foot, I mean, basically followed these footsteps and they ran around a couple corners and then through what was now a wall, but used, there used to be a doorway there. And then, um, let's see what, um, another time I was in there and felt a hand grab my ankle. It didn't pull. It just it distinctly felt to my kind of grab my ankle. And <clears throat> that one kind of really freaked because it's initial, like you're walking, you feel the hand and it's like, is somebody trying to like trip me or, but again, that happened. I got um, a couple friends um, hired on there doing the same job. You know, we would relieve each other and I'd warn them. And I'd say, look, yeah, I've been, I've been touched, but nothing is, seems to be hurting me or attempting to hurt me. I said, so don't panic. And uh, they would talk about the same thing. Uh, there's motion sensors that would go off and the security, uh, they'd be inside the refrigeration. And yeah, the, the security company would call, hey, we have a motion sensor. Can you please go in there? So I have to don on the freezer gear and go walk through. And it would be an empty room, but something was setting off the motion sensors in there. And it's just, but um, it got to the point where I just got used to it. Uh, got used to, you know, doors opening and closing. Got used to out here thumping and bumping inside the uh, the freezers, it's, which would sound like somebody is moving around in there, moving boxes around. And, again, sensors would go off. I'd go in. Nothing's moved. And it would just, I, I got used to it. But it kind of peaked. Um there is, um, there's a rail car and actually the workers hadn't left this particular night. There's a rail car full of dry ice that was brought down and it was up against the building. And you know how dry ice does that little fog stuff? Right. Yeah. It, um, well, it was coming out and it was, you know, spreading out over this little section of track alongside the warehouse. And, um, it was spreading out, but as I was walking, uh, hitting my door, you know, going indoors and stuff, I'd come, you know, I noticed that, um, it started to like come together. So I kind of stopped and just watched and it literally, that started spiraling up and you know, again, I just kind of stood there and watched it and it, it formed a shape of a woman wearing like a Victorian style dress. 
and all I could think of was, uh, you know, I was, I was kind of the, the starving college student. I didn't really have the, you know, family supporting me. So, I mean, literally, you know, it's like I was scraping by, and so I didn't have, you know, which I don't even think they had cell phones with, you know, pictures on. But it was just one of those, you know, wasn't carrying a lot of high tech stuff to get evidence of it. So all I could think of was like, I wish I had a camera, something the staff picture of this and you know went into my next door and made my checks and then came out and the the dry ice fog stuff was back you know spreading you know doing its normal thing and spreading out over the tracks wow and i mean it was just it was active i mean you couldn't go um there is like i would talk to the other guards because periodically you know we would usually come on uh, you'd be there probably about 30 minutes uh, as you know my first 30 minutes would be the last guy the guy that I'm replacing his last 30 minutes and so most would talk about it you know just their experiences um, you know when no one grabs someone saw it looked like something in the dark in the hallway, like come running at them, which they freaked out and took off. I mean, like, I think they, I think if I remember correct, it's been a few years. I think they called the boss and said, Hey, I'm sick. I'm going home. (laughs) It freaked (laughs) them out. But there was one old man that just swore up and down. He's like, Nope, nothing strange going on. All right. Hmm. But so this was a common thing amongst everybody. You guys all talked about your experiences together. Yes, sir. Okay. So, I mean, it's not like you were the only one, like, it's not like you were being targeted per se. It was just the whole place was active and everybody was having these experiences except for the old guy who didn't want to admit it. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when you saw the, the fog spiral up into the woman in a Victorian dress. Uh, you said you went and finished your checks, and when you came back out, it was gone, right? Right. Dude, how did you have the guts to just keep working, man? Because, like, <laughs> if I saw that, I would be freaking out, man. Was that was that your first time seeing an apparition of an actual person? That, that was my first time, yes, yeah, there. Um, that was my first time seeing an apparition there. Um, but by then, like I said, I'd been grabbed. I'd heard, you know, enough noises. I just, like I said, I really it came to the conclusion, whatever, you know, whatever it or they are, they're not out to hurt me or they can't hurt me. So, yeah. Cause I mean, that, you did say that earlier. It seems like the more time you spent in there, the more you kind of got numb to the whole idea of what was going on around you. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's kind of like I I used to have a job where I I used to be a parking enforcement officer for a local city around here. And I'll tell you, like, before I went to work every day, I would be praying that I'd be able to punch out at the end of the day because it was a dangerous job. Like, I've had guns pulled on me and things like that. And uh, I eventually got just numb to the whole idea of 
what I was doing from a day to day basis where like I would, I would say my prayer before I started work kind of thing. But once I got out there, it was just old hat. Like you just didn't really realize the dangers of what the job was. And, uh, I, I imagine it's probably the same thing that you, which you had, you know, it's just after a while, it's just, it's old hat. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it. I mean, exactly. It's just same old, same old. It's, that my only regret honestly is that I didn't have some sort of video camera or something, you know, like GoPro wasn't around. Then. <laughs> you know, like if it had been around, I could have, yeah. you know, carried it with me to work and tried to document some of this stuff. But. Yeah, absolutely. Now you said you were grabbed twice, right? Right. Now, how'd you feel when that happened, man? Like when you actually feel something grabbing you and you realize that, there's nothing there. Like what's, what does your gut feel like? Like what was going on in your mind and your gut? Like, were you terrified or were you just like, Oh, there's that entity. It's being a jokester again. I was startled. Um, I mean, truly startled, especially the first time, you know, the, the hand on the shoulder. Cause I was ex- fully expecting the, the maintenance guy. Yeah. <laughs> and the second time it was more of, um, again, startled, but more that it, it kind of put me a little more on guard the second time, because like I said, my ankle, it, I didn't feel any tugging on my ankle. I just felt distinctly the hand grab my ankle and it was just like, you know, it's almost then it's like, all right, has it, is, am I dealing with something that's trying to cross the line and now hurt me or something? But it's just, man, it's I don't I mean it's one of those I mean yeah, there's there's a little bit of fear there but I just like I'm I'm just stubborn and I've got a job to do and I'm gonna do it. You know, I need this job to buy my ramen noodles. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can understand that man. I mean bottom line is you need to do a job and you're gonna do it. Uh, and you just got to deal with the environment you're given. So I totally get that. Now, this warehouse that you were in, now you were said in the beginning, kind of like how old it was and everything. Do you know what the warehouse was originally used for? Uh, not off the top of my head. I mean, you could tell by the design. It, I mean, it was an older warehouse, uh, but it was literally built where the red light district um, used to be. And so literally, you know, you mean, if gone like back a hundred years, there'd been a bunch of whorehouses there and just, yeah, or cat houses or whatever they called them. I mean, just, and they're, they're very open. Uh, like, so you go to the, uh, cause I went, I've gone to the visitor museum cause I'm a history nut. I, I mean, I thoroughly enjoy history, but, um, you would, um, go in there and they, there's like some old pictures on the wall of about that, you know, kind of where that area was at. And there was literally just row after row of, you know, cat houses. So that area is a pretty active area. I mean, it's like as far as marshals and back when Oklahoma was Indian territory slash outlaw territory, which is, uh, you know, Fort Smith was a, you know, you know, historically was a pretty active area. And even uh, uh, during the Civil War, there was a 
several like civil war battles fought around that area too. And so the forts, I mean, the, the, um, I remember correct there for a while, the, and I could be wrong, but I think there for a while, the union forces captured Fort Smith and then the, uh, but the Confederates still had the uh, Oklahoma side, and so there for a while, they would their artillery would just fire at each other, and just kind of duels. Which also uh, just down the uh, the river, because um, again, a few blocks there is an island out there where um, it was illegal in the state in that area to have duels, but, uh, fit like people would go out and have, you know, pistol duels and, you know, over wow. issues and would kill each other out on this Island. I mean, it was just, it was, it was a pretty, pretty active area. The, uh, just a lot of history there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it definitely sounds like, it, and it kind of makes sense with everything, uh, that you're experiencing, and especially like the grabbing, it makes you wonder. I mean, if you're in the red light districts and stuff, I mean, it just makes you wonder what was grabbing you. Was it, you know, uh, an, <laughs> an entity of, yeah. you know, an old hooker <laughs> grabbing you saying, Hey, buddy, you know, <laughs> like you look good in your uniform, you know, <laughs> you know, it's just, um, it just makes you wonder, you know, what you were dealing with. But uh, it's definitely interesting stuff, man. Uh, that you had going on there. Uh, I want to move on a little bit here, if that's okay with you. I mean, uh, you have some that's really uh, interesting topics to cover. Some uh, I've obviously heard before, but some of them I have not. And I, I kind of want to dive into this uh, medieval church that you wrote me about first off, because uh, when I read that in the email, I thought it was just it, it, it grabbed me, man. I was just like, what is this about? So uh, you're in the woods, you're hunting, and you see this church, right? So, I mean, walk us into what happened. Okay. There's a, there's a spot that I like to hunt and I still like to hunt. And, you know, I go out there. Um, I'm not always successful, <laughs> but it's just really beautiful. And it's pretty. And, uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of deer and I've seen a few hogs in that area as well. And, uh, to, Basically, I'm sitting up on a point on this hill, and I'm looking down a saddle, which for those that don't know, if you have a, a two hills, and there's kind of a ridge line that connects them, but it kind of dips down, that's called a saddle. So, but um, at the time, the, the under, there wasn't, like, the, the brush growth wasn't quite as thick, plus two, um, it was fall. A lot of foliage had fallen, and so I could see pretty far down it. And so I'm sitting up on a, a stand, and um, actually my stand was like this big rock that's out there. I mean, it's freaking huge, but I was sitting up there, and I was watching down it, and um, just I was 17 years old, just sitting there, just you know, enjoying the afternoon. It's kind of afternoon. And, um, there's, I describe it as like a small, uh, medieval church based off of kind of the way it looked, basically it appeared. 
in front of me. It was about six yards down, and it was on this saddle. And what threw me, I mean, a lot of it threw me, but it was like physically, it where it was that structurally, it shouldn't have been there. And yeah, I sat there and looked at it, and I could see uh, details. I mean, it was made of stone. It was like a gray stone. Um, had windows that kind of uh, squared up down at the bottom, but they kind of, as they went up a little bit, they kind of arched uh, up into a, uh, I call it like a rounded triangle type. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, you know, and I could see the windows on it. Um I want to say, because there were trees there, um, so I want to say that there was probably at least eight, because I, was, I wasn't looking at it dead on. It was almost like caddy corner. I could see the front of it, but I could see the side real clear. And it appeared, and um, I'm looking at it. The, uh, it had about, I want, to, I want to say probably about eight windows. I mean, I'm just kind of guessing because there were some trees and stuff in the way on that one side. And, I mean, I could see detail, even from where I was at, because it seemed to be pretty solidly built. I could see, could tell some detail on the rock. And um, the uh, I could the light was coming in enough. I could actually see a little bit inside of the building. And, I mean, I just sat there, Tony, I just sat there and looked at it. I mean, I had my 30-30. I really wasn't sure about it, um, but it was one of those cases of like, it's weird, but kind of really, and there's part of me that was indecisive about what to do, and then there's part of me that was just kind of, am I really seeing this? I mean, I rubbed my eyes, I kind of, you know, pinched myself, like, all right, you know, I'm, a, I'm seeing this, you know, I kind of looked away, looked back, okay, it's still there, <laughs> and, uh basically sat there and watched to see if some, you know, something would come out of it uh, or someone would come out of it. To, but there's no noise in it. So I know there's nothing in there to make me think. I didn't see anything moving inside from, you know, from the angle, you know, looking into the building, but I could just, it was just, in, in some ways it seemed unreal, but, uh, after looking at it for about 20 minutes, I heard some rustling off to the left of me. And I looked because also I hadn't forgotten why I was there. <laughs> you know, you know, every time, I mean, anybody's done any hunting, if you hear some kind of rustling or some, some footsteps off to the left, you know, you're deep down, you're hoping it's like Bugzilla or something. You know? <laughs> yeah. so looked off towards the noise and uh, didn't see anything. And then I looked back down and the church was gone. And, uh, yeah, I went ahead and stayed up, stayed up there until it got dark and I left and I came back the next day and I came back a little bit early and actually walked down to, um, you know, where, you know, where I saw it and kind of looked at the ground and the train and then, yeah, really just, uh, the, I think part of me was wondering, you know, is there something physically left over here, like a sign that it's there? And didn't see anything, so went back up and got got back on 
on my stand there. And then later on that day, uh, I had a buck come by and, you know, the classic hunter mistake, uh, got excited, you know, oh boy, it's a nice rack, man. Tony was a nice rack and I jerked the trigger, shot over its back and it took off running down the hill. But, um, uh, but like I said that, man, at church, I, I talked to my, talked to my dad and talked to my grandpa about it and they didn't really have an answer for me. I mean, I, Especially my grandpa, I think he believed me. My dad probably wasn't sure. Then my grandpa believed me, but um, they they didn't have any explanation, didn't offer anything. Um, it was uh, years later. Um, we're talking about like old, as with some people, and we're talking about old stories and legends about this area, and uh, somewhat there's a story about a hunter being out in the woods and uh, heard a noise and he saw uh, a Native American with, with a musket. They say he kind of dressed up in really old guard, kind of looking at him and said, then the, this Native stepped off behind this rock and so the hunter went up there and said, you know, the native wasn't there, there was no sign, and there was no way that that native could have, you know, gotten away without the hunter seeing it. So, I mean, I just, I don't know. It's one of those I keep, you know, every now and then I come back to it and I, mentally and I just think about it and think about what I saw and scratch my head and I don't know. So, all right. So when you saw this thing, you said that it was sitting in an area where it doesn't make sense. Like it, it shouldn't be able to, you know, be built when you were looking right. at it. Did it seem like it was uh, like very solidly sitting where it was, you know, where, where you were seeing it, you know, in the moment when you were looking at this thing, when you were looking at it, did it look like it was, you know, solidly built where it was sitting? Oh yeah, I mean it, it looked solid. It looked settled. I mean, from where, where is that? It looked like there was, uh, you know, I mean it was on flat ground, which, you know, it shouldn't have been. But I mean, it looked solid. Okay, yeah, because I mean, it, it, I find this really fascinating. Now, when you were sitting in your tree stand, did you see this thing up here right before your eyes, or was it something like? you look over to your left and when you look back to your right, all of a sudden it's there. I, it, for lack of a better term, it's like it material. It wasn't instant, but it wasn't real slow either. It was almost like a, a medium, like it, like, you know, I'm looking down at a draw, looking at empty, you know, or, you know, through trees and all that. And then like, it started to appear and like, it took about a couple seconds. I mean, it, and then it was there and it was solid. Okay. So uh, f forgive me for my lack of imagination here, but 
in your classical, you know, ghost movie and you start seeing something appear before your eyes and it takes like two, three seconds, but you see this figure image slowly appearing and all of a sudden, you know, the ghost is there and it looks like a real person. Is that kind of how the same, same thing that this happened? Like it was like a slow appearance, like it just kind of materialized in front of you. That's, that's how it happened. Like I said, it, it took, I mean, literally about two, three seconds. I mean, it, but it appeared. And I mean, I, I remember there was even a moment of where I was just, I mean, I think I, I, I literally said like, what the, I mean, as I'm looking at and the trees and stuff disappearing behind it, I mean, and suddenly I'm in, I'm seeing the rock and, and just, it appeared and I couldn't see further, you know, I couldn't see past it. So. So how far were you from any buildings whatsoever? Now you're out there hunting. Uh, like, like how far were you from like, maybe say the, the closest town with any significant buildings? I'm not, I, you know, if there's a shack here, here or there, I, I obviously that's not what I'm thinking of, but right. you know, how, how far distance wise were you from any real right. buildings? Um, Probably as the crow flies, I was probably about, I mean, literally as the crow flying, I was probably about three quarters of a mile because I wasn't that far uh, from the boundaries of the state park. And so, yeah, three quarters of a mile to a mile, probably as the crow flies. Okay. Well, let's just take a break right now. And when we come back, we'll jump right back into it, Seth. So just hang in there with me. Drunk Mysteries is a podcast where two men, Ben Bateski and John Nafziger, explore history's most upsetting mysteries while getting extremely drunk of a variety of alcohols. Drunk Mysteries is a podcast, and it wants you to listen to it while your brave and handsome hosts explore mysteries so disturbing and severe that you may question your reality. Join us at Drunk Mysteries. I mean, with, with this whole thing, I mean, you've had a long time to think about this, uh, 20 plus years, uh, and or at least almost 20 years, I should say. But with your time thinking about this, you know, have you ever come up with any kind of idea or theories on how this was possible? I mean, like people see, you know, hauntings where like a ghost appears in mm-hmm. front of them. People see UFOs. Uh, and I know we'll get to the, your, your, you have a UFO encounter too, right. but, uh, like, you don't hear people say that buildings appear right in front of them out in the middle of the woods. Like, like that's a very rare thing. And in fact, I've never talked to anybody who's seen something like you have. And how do you wrap your mind around that after the last almost 20 years of this experience in your mind? The, the closest theory I've come up with, and I base it off of something that, that happened to me when I was real young. Um, 
is it's like, um, again, um, as I told you before, sorry, yeah, I, I am a Christian. I, I, I believe there's a God and I believe, you know, and so when I think about the scope of, you know, eternity and God, um, I think that, you know, it's almost like God and spiritually, it's almost like it's outside of timeline. And, and so, so then you know, like, if you were to take like a, um, a, a sheet or, or something and lay it down from one end to another and stand separate, you know, there, there'd be a timeline on the sheet, but you're separate from that timeline. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. That's kind of how I think with, with God and, and, um, and I know there would probably be people who disagree with me out there, and that's fine. This is just what I think that – anyways, and so I think at times that maybe it's not even like paper. It's almost like waves or something. Maybe maybe two points, kind of like two distinct different points of time. It's like the sheet or maybe waves or whatever kind of roll up, and they get close, and it's almost like – you know, I can, we can see details on that sheet and possibly they can see details on our sheet. And I've read a lot of stories about, um, sailors like way back when, you know, on these old sailing ships, they would talk about in the mist, they would look on a shore shoreline and they would see buildings or outlines or people, or in some cases they'd even see lights. And then, um, and you talk to people today and they talk about seeing in the mist old, you know, sailing vessels, you know? And so I'm just, right. that's my thing. And so then, but then that's for me in the case of the church that opens like a, and I'm calling a church. It may not be a church, but you know, it, I'm calling, um, then it opens up a, okay. If I'm looking at a different time, because that was an older structure than what used to be here. And then also, why was, you know, terrain-wise, what happened to the change of terrain here? But sometimes all that does is kind of lead me into more questions, and I don't think I'm ever going to get an answer on it. I would say probably not. But, uh, you know, because that's what I was thinking too. I mean, the terrain that you saw this you know, doesn't really typically hold any kind of structure or the idea of any kind of structures being there at one time. So, I mean, not only are you possibly witnessing some kind of time lapse, uh, but you're also witnessing maybe a time lapse that has actually moved physical locations, you know, like, mm-hmm. like did the earth, did, are, are things different than they were back then? So like physically, like geographically, w- was that saddle there? Or was it not there? You know, like, and and how is that even possible? Because if you see a church building that's 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 built that's relatively new in the grand scheme of time, and we would have had record document of geographical dramatic changes if that was the case, you know. Right. But on that note, um, um, have you ever heard of Rockwall, Texas? I mean, it's, it's a town, it's a place. It's outside of Dallas. Uh, I don't think so. Okay, well, Google it in your time. Um, but essentially, underground, I forget how many feet, there, there is a rock wall. 
And um, if memory serves, it's been a while since I've read up or anything on it. But it's uh, it's underground. It's in square shape. It's they've determined how many feet or meters tall it is. I mean, it's a thick rock wall. And it's really funny because you watch some um, experts try to explain how it would naturally appear there, but it's like in a definite man-made shape. But it's like all underground now and so it kind of raises the question of what used to be there and and why and who built a wall and what were they trying to keep out or what were they trying to keep in and so i say that to to, to say this i mean you know they they had no clue about that until somebody was digging down and found this and so I mean, as old as the earth is, I mean, in truth, I mean, I don't know, you know, four or five, six thousand years ago, what, what all was going on here. So, right. And, you know, I'm, I'm quickly looking at this right now as we're, as you're talking about it. Uh, do you know how deep this rock wall goes? Like, like underground, like, first of all, I guess, you know, how deep, but also how big is this thing? Do you, do you know how big they say it is? Not off the top of my head, but if I uh, if I remember correct, it's it's been a few years, and literally I've had a deployment <laughs> since I've looked it up. Uh, my underst- uh, understanding it's big enough to uh, circle uh, the town of Rockwall very easily. So I mean, think of like a city size. Wow. So. Okay. I find it really interesting because whenever you find these ancient, and I'll just call it an ancient structure because we don't know what else to call it, I guess. But I mean, mm-hmm. you find these these walls that are you know underground, and it, we don't know where it came from, but clearly it was built by someone or something. I mean, it, it does. It, it shows that there was some some actual civilization here uh, in, in our long time past. And I'd be very interested to hear, you know, what the, the idea is about how old this structure is. I mean, is it old enough to be from the native Americans or does it date back before that? Uh, because, you know, like we have the stories of the native Americans, uh, fighting these giants in our country. And so like, it makes you wonder, you know, were, is this something to do with the giants that were here at one time? You know, cause how big are these walls? Because I mean, it makes you wonder, like, the Native Americans, you know, they didn't build these kind of structures. As far as I know, they didn't build big structures like that. They 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 were, you know, more simplistic. I, I from what I understand than that. And so the idea of Native Americans building such a big wall, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. But I could be totally wrong on that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and then also, there's. I mean, I I personally believe. Um, you know, based off, you know, stuff I've read that, you know, the, there was probably trade, you know, thousand years ago, easy, 2000 years, there, there was trade here because, uh, I like they were, t- they were testing, uh, they tested the hair on Egyptian mummies and they came up positive for marijuana. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just, they were rolling doobies time, back then. Yeah. At that time it was only growing over here. And they've, I mean, you just every now and then they'll talk about finding ancient, you know, ancient pots, you know, from a shipwreck off the coast. The coolest thing I found, um, I found this again, my last deployment, um, 
because as in Iraq, when we weren't running missions, um, I was had a wife and a kid at home, and so really tight budget. So I spent a lot of time just, you know, searching around online or I read, gosh, I read a ton of books while I was over there too. But I came across a story about a uh, monk and um, he lived something like he lived in the jungles in South America and uh, Native American or the natives that he was uh, ministering to would bring him treasure and he was truly a monk and he knew what it was worth on the outside world but he just he put it in the back room it was dedicated to his mission a simple life and there's there's pictures of him like he's an he's an old man and he's in this room with um you know these guys and they're taking a picture and he's showing them (laughs) there's like tall like silver statues but he's showing different things but i swear this like relic he's looking he's holding was something from babylon i mean it was like the man the lion head it literally looked like something from babylon and you know it was something that you don't you know you don't associate with um you know central south america you know as far as ancient but like when the monk died the natives came in and they hid like they took all of it and they hid it because I, their explanation when officials came in to you know steal it pretty much um, was that belongs to him. It's not yours and he didn't give it to you. So, you know, you're never going to get it. And so, but I'll, what I'll do is uh, I'll dig around and see if I can find it and, if I can remember what the monk's name, and I'll I'll send you the picture of that article. But I'm just convinced that there there's been I mean trade <laughs> between this side of the Atlantic with the other side. Yeah, you know, and it's not something that I dismiss at all. I mean, I definitely think that's possible. Um, and like I mentioned earlier about the whole giants thing, like uh, I don't think giants originated here. I think that they came from another land and they came here. So. Uh, how'd that happen and when did it happen? Uh, and, you know, mm-hmm. you can go into all these different theories on that and stuff. But anyways, kind of re- rewinding here back to your experience. Uh, by the way, that was just fascinating stuff. I, when you told me about the rock wall, I looked it up and I'm going to be uh, digging into that a little bit later on tonight. But um, so you're talking about this church that appears in the middle of nowhere. Now, you said it was like an older structure. Did was it like like a cathedral, or was it like more like a like an old town church with a steeple? Yeah, it, it looked like something from a. Uh, it, it didn't have. It actually didn't have a steeple, um, but like the, from the shape of the windows and the shape of the structure, it seemed it seemed like one common room, um, and it would have been rectangular shape. Um, the the roof, I want to say it was like a thatched roof. I mean, it looked old <laughs> where I was sitting. Um, but with the design of the windows and stuff, I could see where it's well ventilated. Uh, it seemed like something that you would find maybe in like a, a medieval village, you know, where not that many people are going to be in there, but you know, they wanted, I guess something substantial, you know, something solid built out of stone. 
but there there wasn't a, there wasn't actually a steeple on it. But you know, like with the shape of the windows and everything, that's kind of what I associate it with as a church. But okay, I mean to be honest, I'm not a hundred percent sure it was a church. <laughs> No, yeah, I get it. I mean, like you said that earlier and stuff. I mean, it's just kind of the closest thing you could describe it to. Uh, you know, I guess one of my la- I guess I could I guess my last question with this is, you know, how long were you looking at this thing now? You described it in good detail. So, I mean, you must have had some time looking at it. Uh, and then you just said that you kind of looked away and when you looked back it was gone. So, you didn't see it dissipate. Uh, but how long did you actually look at this thing? Was it sitting there? About 20 minutes. Because I had a wristwatch with me, Tony. I, I looked at thing. It, it was, I think, like 21, 20, 21 minutes, something like that. I mean. Wow. Now, in that 20 or 21 minutes that you were watching this thing, did it ever cross your mind? Did you ever get the the urge to climb down and go check this thing out? It did cross my mind, especially like 10 minutes into it. But... Yeah, and I had I had a, my thirty. I mean, I had a thirty thirty with me. So, yep. I mean, it's like, but it was just one of those cases of if I go down there and touch it or step into it, you know, I think even you know, it's just in the back of my mind, like, and it disappears or goes wherever it comes from. Is it going to take me with it? <laughs> you know, it's just yeah, like a time traveling church. I mean, seriously, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like, wow. I just, you know, like I'm, like I'm comfortable. I got a good advantage. If something bad comes out of it, I can plug it from this distance. <laughs> but I will just sit back and watch it, see what happens. Yeah, man. That that's just wow. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. Now, I mean, if it was me, I mean, I can't say for sure what I would do, but. God, I think the curiosity would kill me. And I think I would just, I would have to get closer at least. I mean, cautiously, but my Lord, I mean, that's just insane stuff, man. I, I thank you for sharing that because <laughs> when you sent that to me in the email, I was like, what the heck? That's crazy. So um, you're in the woods and you're, you're hunting, you see the, the church. Uh, now, since we're in the woods, is that where you saw the Bigfoot activity? Um, I, I saw the Bigfoot activity, you know, in, in the woods, actually in, in this general area. Um, but it wasn't in that spot because, um, my first, um, you know, cross with, with what I believe, I really do believe it was a Bigfoot was, uh, was, it was when I was actually 16 is, uh, and actually no, I, Probably I was just fixing to turn 16 because I didn't have my license yet. But um, I lived in a state park, and I would go for a walk every night because I was homeschooled. And we lived up in this state park. You know, my parents got a wonderful job, but there was nothing for me to do. And so every night I would go for a walk. I'd pray a little bit, but mainly just walk, get out of the house because I could tell you before, you know, there was only one TV in the house, and uh, my dad had control of the remote. Yeah. Oh, and 
So what else do I want to do? And we'll go out and go for a walk at night. You know, just kill time and get a little exercise. But, um, and actually, my parents had a, a, a Cocker Spaniel. And so his name was Boomer. My dad's a Sooners fan. And so I would take Boomer, you know, on a leash because, uh, you know, Boomer, the, the wonder dog, would take off running after every varmint. And I just did not want, I learned early on, keep him on a leash or I'm going to be chasing him through the woods <laughs> trying to get him back. <laughs> and so uh, I was walking along and there is a uh, day use only road on this loop that I'd walk. And I had, by this point, I was so used to walking and comfortable enough out in the woods that um, literally I, I could walk it without a flashlight and be fine. But I had this uh, really, those small mag lights, but with the, the old mag lights, um, you know, what an LED, it was like the old bulb and the battery is real weak. I mean, it barely lit up, you know, boomer when he was at my feet. But um, I brought it kind of as a, as in just in case, you know, I needed to potentially try to light something up, but you know, I was walking we cut down this day use only road. Now the locals call this area outlaw crossing. And that's cause, uh, there's a low spot and, uh, there's a trail that cuts up to the state park and the outlaws across there, across the river there, there's a stone steps carved into the mountain. And the legend is actually a conquistadors uh, carved or had the steps carved by uh, Indians they enslaved or tried to enslave. It didn't work out real well for them. But uh, so the outlaws would ride their horses down this ridge. You know, there's this little this ridge up above and they'd ride down these stone steps and they'd cross the river there. And so there is a tree and it's kind of funny because you know, the dog would piss on the tree, and then I would also, you know, kind of would stop if I had to pee. I would, you know, take a piss there. And the dog, I mean, that was just our, I swear, it was a nightly routine. It's kind of funny in hindsight. <laughs> but um, uh, the dog comes up to the tree, and he starts acting real weird. And, like, almost, like, excited, but nervous. And so, I mean, I'm shining the light down at Boomer. I'm like, Boomer, what is the deal? What's going on? And then um heard a noise, and it was off to my right, and I shined over and lit up a pair of red eyes. Now, I was on a little bit of a rise above the road, and so I think it was like a foot and a half drop to the road. And where the eyes were at, it actually dropped down a little bit more. And so, but the eyes were taller than me. And so, I mean, what is, it had to be like eight, eight and a half feet tall. I mean, lit up the eyes. And when the light hit the eyes, it slowly backed up. I mean, the light was so weak. All I was seeing was eyes. But it, it slowly backed up. And it turned around. And... I could tell it, it walked off. And at the time, I really wasn't sure. And so I was just 
like boomer we're just gonna have to hit this tree later buddy we're, we're going we're calling it a night and so we we didn't run but we we walked uh walked i mean straight back out so we didn't finish our loop and i told my told my family i said yeah saw some red eyes out there and my dad said well you know it could could have been a rat or something i, I think he thought like i meant a shine red eyes kind of low to the ground i didn't really tell him how tall it was and so at the time i really wasn't sure and then it wasn't until um well, I was yeah several years later i was at a cabin and uh some people had had uh or the cabin owners had paid me uh to kind of cut down some brush and stuff and so where the cabin can be seen from the road and we're talking like a two-day project out there with a chainsaw cutting it low and we call it what i call whoppers just cutting everything low and then having to set fire um and you know pile it up and, and just burn it down now, there's enough cabins around there that and i'm just um nervous enough about fire that if I get a fire going, I'm not leaving until it the fire burns down. And so, um, especially with those cabins, like I don't want you know a small fire break out and I'm you know a couple million in debt because you know X amount of cabins burnt out in this area because right. And so, um, I was out there. I had a at a friend's. Uh, uh, he had a 12 gauge shotgun with a pistol grip. Now he had uh, loaned it to me to actually do some work on, and um, it was kind of in rough shape and kind of got got it cleaned up. And he, uh, anyways, all I had in it was because I was the worst thing I was expecting was snakes. And uh, anyways, went out there and. Uh, yeah, fire's burning, and it's starting to burn down low. There's a creek going behind the cabin, and all I had was, like, a, one of those big gulp cups. And so I walked down to the cabin, and I'm scooping up water, and I'm starting to soak the area around where the fire was burning. And uh, mentally cussing myself because I did not mean to be out there so late. Um, so I didn't have a flashlight with me. And also wishing I'd had a broad of water hose <laughs> so I could have made this job a lot easier. But as I'm going back down to this cabin or back to this creek behind this cabin, um, probably after a few minutes of doing that, there was this smell that came wafting down um, from the uh, cabin or not the cabin, from up, up, uh, behind the other cabin next to us, but it was like upstream. It was a horrible smell, but I'd been kind of having the feeling that I was being watched and nobody was staying in these cabins. And, um, but I've been out in the woods enough. I know that, you know, like, Hey, there's always some critter or, you know, raccoon, something's watching me. So, but um, when that smell hit, it kind of like almost gave me a direction. I started kind of looking off, you know, towards that direction, but I just kept scooping water and back and forth. Well, so 
started making me nervous enough that I walked over and I, um, my truck was parked over kind of in the, the start of the driveway of the cabin. And I went ahead and turned it on, got it going, and uh, turned on the headlights. So it kind of clearly light up my path to the creek. Now, it's still dark by the creek, but I could still kind of see my light or my path. After doing that, the, the smell went away. Um, so I just kind of shrugged it off. Finished thoroughly soaking the area around this uh, where the spire was at. And uh, I think I went ahead and shut off the truck. So I didn't need the, the lights um, on anymore. But I had uh, left that shotgun in the uh, back bed of my truck. And I was kind of leaned up against the, you know, leaned up against my tailgate, uh, looking at the fire, just kind of mentally debating on when I was going to leave that area. And, um, across the road behind me, I very clearly heard like a stick snapping. And it wasn't like a small little twig. It was like a pretty good thick stick clean snap. And I scared the snot out of me. <laughs> and I jumped and I had a reflex. I grabbed that, that 12 gauge shotgun and uh, chambered around. And I was just looking off in the dark, darkness facing the road. And that's when it's like two and two kind of starts to come together. I'm like, okay, that's, uh, there was a smell, you had this feeling being watched and something just broke. And it sounded like, I mean, it almost like intentionally snapped uh, right across the road. So I'm like, that's why I was saying like, might be a, might be a Bigfoot here. And then it's like realizing, okay, I, granted, I have a shotgun, but I have, you know, I was preparing for, you know, freaking snakes. So all I've got is, you know, all I'm going to do if I shoot it, if I get attacked, all I'm going to do is just, maybe there might be blood for the dog to trail, you know, trail it. But I mean, all this was going through my mind, but it's like, this ain't going to do nothing except piss it off. But I just kind of stood there and just kind of kept scanning the darkness. I didn't hear any steps or anything like that. But after a, about a minute or two, because you'd have to understand that, because like basically I was looking into the woods, which is on this road, but very uh, short, shortly after you like step into those woods, it starts to go uphill. And then I heard further up the hill a very loud, like someone took like a small tree and clean, I mean, snap or a big limb and it's a huge crunch snap. I mean, just real loud, real distinct. And, um, you know, but there's no crashing of it hitting the ground. Like you would expect a, a limb that big to fall, you'd expect to hear it fall and hit the ground. Nothing. It was just real loud crunch. But it was further up the hill, and I got a sense it's almost like it was just letting me know that it's moving away. And at that point, I'm like, this fire's burned down enough. 
think I'm going to go ahead and go. <laughs> yeah. So. I left, but after that, that's when I actually kind of, you know, just kind of two and two, I got to think about my previous experience about the red eyes and about the height and, you know, it was just like, I'm willing to bet it's a Bigfoot, you know, and I've got a, I've got a friend that's really big into it. So I mean, I texted him, I said, dude, you're not going to believe what happened. And he, uh, he goes, dude, I, he came back. I'm telling you, he says, you, that that was a Bigfoot. But you also want to talk about the most awful stench. Man, I've smelled skunks. I've smelled some pretty nasty roadkill, you know, out here. I've just, uh, there. that's a distinct smell. And actually, since my deployment, I've smelled dead people. <laughs> and then I've also the burning of trash and of uh you know overseas when we're out in the middle of nowhere out in these little fobs and check you know we call it rrps radio relay points you know we'd have to burn you know our our own crap twice a day and, you know the you think about things like jarhead where he's stirring the the pot as it's burning yeah. i mean i've even smelled that smell i tell you right now there's no smell I've smelt many smells, bad smells in my life, but there's none like what I smelt that night. Okay, yeah, I got you. So uh, we're going to take our final break of the show, and when we come back, we'll jump right back into things with Seth. Stay with us, everybody. Describe some very common things that people describe in Bigfoot encounters. Uh, when it comes to the red eyes, uh, could you tell how far apart the eyes were from each other? Um, 
good question. I never really thought about it. Um, I mean, they were far apart. If I had to guess and um, gauging distance, I would say probably somewhere around like six inches. Okay. I mean, that, that would be uh, clearly large, <laughs> yeah. to say the least. Uh, now, all right, so you got red eyes, you got the stink. You know, I listen to a lot of different cryptid encounters and paranormal stuff. And, you know, there's things that, that cross over, you know, to different subjects. And I know a lot of times people like keep containing things like, oh, dog man is this and Bigfoot's that and ghosts are this and let's not cross the lines. But, I mean, just a simple idea. Where else do you hear about red eyes? You hear about red eyes right. when people see demons. Uh, where, mm-hmm. where do you hear about the stench? Well, you hear about the stench, you know, when it comes to uh, Dogman sometimes. Uh, and so wh- where do you hear about the seclusion where they, they want to let you know they're there without you actually seeing them? Well, that's also Dogman as well. Now, uh, granted, a lot of Dogman encounters are in your face, aggressive and scary as heck. But mm-hmm. there, there have been, you know, these similarities and, uh, you know, it just makes me wonder sometimes I, I talk to, you know, Wes, Wes Germer about this kind of stuff a lot. And, you know, it, it just makes you wonder, it, are we missing something? Is there relatable, uh, things on all ends of the perspe- perspective here that kind of tie into each other? Um, I, I don't know, but it, it's very interesting, especially like when you say about the red eyes and stuff, because I personally have seen. Uh, it, they weren't red eyes. They were like more orangey, uh, yellow looking eyes, uh, myself looking at me through a window. And, uh, it scared the, it scared everything out of me. Like I, I was so scared. I was scared to death when I saw that. Um, and, and so, you know, and, and that, that whole night was a very, um, paranormal haunting night for me. And so it just, I, I find it very interesting when you saw the red light or not red lights, when you saw the red eyes was, do you think it was just something to do with uh, your light hitting the eyes and creating a red color? Or do you think that their eyes actually uh, project a red color? I don't know. I've, I've heard birth, uh, birth, <laughs> both theories. I'm, I'm a fan of Sasquatch uh, Chronicles too. Um, but I think in that case, it because they didn't, I didn't see them until the light hit them. And so I think in that case, it may have just been the light hitting it. Because, I mean, like I said, it was a weak, weak light. Um, but, you know, it's like, I don't know. I've, there's, I've seen enough weird things in my lifetime that, I mean, it. It's one of those, I've learned to just stay open to the possibilities and that to not rule out something just because, yeah, I can't really wrap my mind around it. Yeah, absolutely. Does that agree. make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the moment you start thinking in the box, you exclude any other things that might pop up that are outside of your typical line of thought. And so it, you you got to keep your mind open. Uh, it reminds me of a time, probably, I, I would say probably about a year and a half, two years ago is before the show started and I was still feeling my way around the whole Bigfoot topic. And I had somebody contact me saying that they had Bigfoot activity on their property. They, uh, sent me pictures of prints they found on their, on their lawn. And 
she had said that this thing will come up to the window and look in the window at her and the eyes are glowing. And she also told me the eyes project light. And uh, she sent me video of the, of the, uh, the eye shine, the eye glow in the window. And, and you could see whatever it was. That, and I think from the video, there was only one light. So I don't know if it was like its head was turned sideways or what, but uh, you could see this one light moving around through the window. Like you could see it through the, the blinds. Like, like the blinds were, I think the blinds were closed and you could still see this thing or something. I can't remember exactly. Um, but she did say that the, the, the lights project or the eyes projected light. And then I wasn't prepared to handle something like that. I was like, well, that's impossible because Bigfoot is just an animal that we haven't discovered yet. And, but Mm -hmm. now I, I I approach things a little bit more open-mindedly and I, I try to at least, and you know, I'm not sure if we know what Bigfoot is totally. You know, obviously we don't know what Bigfoot is, but like, I, I mean, there, people share stories where it seems so animal, you know, it just seems like an animal. And then other people share stories where it doesn't seem like an animal at all. And it just makes me wonder, man, like, what are we really dealing with here? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm there with you. Uh, especially when people talk to, you know, you hear about the, or people talk about like the little people or gnomes, you know, and just like, you know, but also, you know, you look back and there's legends of, uh, I mean, like our old, the old fairy tales. I mean, think about those, is it the, the goblin or whatever lives underneath the, uh, the, the bridge and eats the goats. I mean, I'm using that as an example. Right. Where, where did those come from? I mean, you know, surely, yeah. I mean, maybe people saw something. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, some of these legends and stuff, you got to think they come from somewhere. I mean, it's there, there's got to be truth in some, in some of these legends, you know, like the fairies and all that stuff. It's just, there's so much going on. I mean, I, the more I'm in this, the more I'm like, there's so much going on, and we don't even know 1% of it. I mean, really, there's, there, it's crazy. We're living in a crazy world. What can I say? It, it really is. It, it's it's not a, the normal that you know we've been taught to think the world is. It's very, very different from that. So, uh, oh yeah. You know, speaking of, speaking of you know that kind of stuff and the oddities, dude. Like you've had a haunted warehouse experience, and you've had this what we'll call a church appear right before you. You've had this Bigfoot experiences, you know, like that's a lot of stuff all tied up into one person. Right. And then you have the UFO experience and we'll get into that in a second. Uh, there's, I hear people and I just heard this in a recent interview, you know, the idea of certain other, certain people having more activity in their life than other people. And a similarity is that they all have a common blood type and i think it was rh positive or rh negative uh i know it's a random stupid weird question and you may not even know do you know what blood type you are yeah oh, i've got to know uh for, for the military oh I'm, yeah that's I'm true positive. what are you so, O positive okay yeah. all right no this this con that that question actually came up in deer camp this year because the year before at deer camp is when like a whole pack 
of, of Bigfoot or around, um, and that's a whole other story. But so this year, you know, my brother and I were sitting around the camp with my niece and uh, tried some whoops and, of course, um, no Bigfoot's game. But we were talking about, and I, I, you know, especially talking with my niece and was talking about some of the strange things that I've experienced. And my brother asked, I said, why, why you? And, you know, some of it being, um, you know, the church was right in front of me and the red eyes that was right in front of me. Um, but, um, since I joined the military and especially since I've deployed anybody that's deployed will understand you become aware of, or you try to stay vigilant about what's around you, about uh, seeing, you know, kind of paying attention to stuff out of the corner of your eyes, um, and looking for little things. Um, you know, driving overseas when we drive in convoys, it's the little telltales that would potentially, you know, uh, kind of set off your your spider senses or whatever people want to call it that there's an ambush or something up ahead. Um, and it's something as random as a, a rag being tied around, uh, you know, like say, cause in Iraq there's, we took down the guardrails cause they were hiding, uh, IEDs on them, but there's still guardrail posts out there and be driving down the road and you would see like a, a rag tied on a, on a uh, post. And it was just, it's almost like a marker. And most people would see something like that and go go on their way, but I, it's like I've still got still got that. Uh, I still pay attention, and so I think um, you know why I notice stuff or I'm a lot more vigilant now, and is because you know I'm not I'm not focused on the cell phone in front of me, <laughs> you know. Um, I'm paying attention to what's going on around me. And if something changes, I try to, I try to pay attention. Yeah, that makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. The fact that you're a little bit more aware than the average person, just because of your training. I mean, you're in a high intensity situation 24 seven. It's kind of hard to shake that once you've been totally uh, engulfed in that for any period of time, I'm sure. Uh, So why don't we talk about this UFO experience that you had? Tell us what happened. Okay. Um, the basically, uh, you know, wasn't anything dramatic. It wasn't anything. Um, what it was, you know, you go outside and you see satellites in the sky. You know, I mean, just real clear. Yeah, I mean, people say that say that they see satellites. I can never pick it out. So, I mean, I, I've heard of that though. <laughs> right. Well, um, especially if you come out in the country. And it's not as much ambient light. You know, it's it's easier to spot. And um, sure. it's a move. You know, just kind of said. And I saw what you know trek along what I thought was a satellite. And I still, even now, if I see them, I'll stop and look at them because I, I think it's kind of cool. Like to see a satellite. You know, even though it looks like a little dot. You know, still. And so I was watching it, and uh, and right as it kind of got above me. It um, stopped going from a steady straight line to like it went into a circle. 
like it, it basically, I mean, it just went round, went in a circle, and then it disappeared. And then it was like, wow, that's no aircraft. I mean, as fast as it moved, because, I mean, it picked up speed to do it, and it disappeared. And it was like, there's no aircraft that I know of that would do that. And so, uh, it's just, you know, mind-boggling, went and you know, I told my parents, like, you're not going to believe what I just saw. And my dad's like, oh, it's probably some military aircraft. They fly over here all the time. Like, I don't think that was a military aircraft, but okay. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, it's it's easy to kind of brush it off as something, you're, you know, the first thing that pops in your mind, but when you really think about what you saw and stuff, I mean, you start thinking that it's not natural. I mean, maybe it was a military aircraft and we just don't know that they have that certain technology to do certain things. And, you know, at one time the nuclear bomb was a surprise to everybody, you know what I mean? Like at one time mm-hmm. that, that, that was like unheard of. We couldn't, we couldn't even fathom something like that. And now it's just old hat, you know? Uh, so, you know, maybe it's possible, but also maybe it's something else totally, you know? Uh, what do you think, you know, you have like, obviously UFO, the, the definition in itself is unidentified flying objects. So, uh, you know, outside of that, when it comes to the idea of people saying that, you know, this is extraterrestrial, what, what are your thoughts on that kind of stuff? Do you, do you think that there's extraterrestrial crafts or do you think this is more, uh, um, more of a, like a top secret kind of thing? Well, it's like, I'm open to both one. Um, you know, I look at the universe and it would not surprise me at all if God created, I mean, different, you know, different worlds, different beings and, you know, out there, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me at all. But, um, give an example. There's some, um, I'm, I'm a chimney sweep inspector and I went out to a job and was doing some work on this, this couple and they lived out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, like, I kid you not, out in the middle of nowhere. And, I mean, nice ranch house that they had built up on a hill surrounded by miles of empty pasture land. And these are very down-to-earth, very um, old-fashioned, God-fearing people. But old-fashioned in the, 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 the gentleman, he's like, 60, 65, and he thought that, um, he thought I was, um, doing him wrong on deal. And he was like, I'm not afraid to throw down with young buck. I said, Whoa, whoa, hold on. I said, yeah, I I explained, you know, I was like, all right, see, you're, you're, I'm not screwing you. And so once I laid out the facts, he was like, okay. And so, I mean, and then, then they fed me. I mean, he was like, fed me meatloaf at dinner. I mean, nice. it was just, but they, they told me, they said, you're not going to believe this. So they said that one night, uh, three, um, basically three bright lights, but they were in the shape of a triangle came down and landed in their pasture. And they saw it. They think they had their adult kids that were there. They saw it and like, stood and watched it said it landed in the pasture and it was down there for like 10 seconds or something. And then it took off these lights stayed in formation and flew off. 
And I remember hearing or uh, hearing and reading in the paper about other people saw that. Well, he told me he went down there the next day to the pasture, and there was, uh, he calls them like like a half circle uh, indentions in the ground where the ground was missing. And he said, it almost looks like they came down, they took soil samples, and then they were gone. But, I mean, these are... These are people, they weren't, they didn't joke, they're very old-fashioned, very God-fearing, and I believe them. I absolutely believe that that's what they saw, and I'm pretty sure that if I had asked him to, uh, he would have probably taken me down there and showed me the holes, but, you know, I was there to finish up the job and, you know, kind of get on to that other, other clients I had to take care of that day. Wow. So, I mean... Uh, when when it comes to this stuff, I mean, people are experiencing stuff, and I don't think, I think most people when they share their experiences, most people aren't you know so narcissistic that they got to make up an extravagant story just to get some uh, some stranger's attention. You know what I mean? Like like that's just not really in the in the ballpark for most people. Uh, so what they described to you, I mean, you would have no reason to doubt them. Uh, the fact that it happened to them and, and did you say this was like, kind of like out in the middle of nowhere? Yeah, it was in the middle of nowhere. Okay. So, I mean, how do I say this? I mean, do you think that what they experienced was extraterrestrial or do you think that something, what they experienced was more, you know, governmental or, or just mental? <laughs> I know it's not yeah. mental, but you know. Yeah, I know what you mean. Honestly, I I would think extraterrestrial because since then, especially when it comes to like the lights and the formations, I've seen, you know, I got, I've gone online and looked. I've seen a video of this type of, you know, the lights and triangle thing, flying a formation outside an airline, an airliner. And, um, you know, I've seen videos of the lights, you know, staying in formation. Was it the Phoenix lights? And I read, it's funny because people, the explanation, oh, that was, that was flares from a formation of jets. And I've been overseas. I've seen them deposit their flares. I know the flares that they're talking about. And the flares don't do that. And so it's just, in those cases, I'm all for extraterrestrial. And to be honest, you know, I wouldn't blame the government for not, you know, I mean, I think that, like I said, I'm open to both. I'm fully open to there's new, new technology out there that's constantly being tested. Uh, yeah. So some things being seen, probably new technology, but in a lot of these cases, like I said, especially this couple, you know, I think, I think extraterrestrial. And because we go, we go to the moon or we've gone to the moon. We send stuff to Mars. Uh, you know, what, what, what's the big thing? Soil samples. You know, so why wouldn't there, if there's another race of aliens out there or what we perceive as aliens, you know, you know, and they come here, whether it's sending machines or they actually show up, you know, why wouldn't they get samples? <laughs> you know, soil samples and samples of vegetation. That's what we would do. 
You know, that's a good point. I mean, yeah. you're absolutely right on that. I mean, what are we trying to do? We're trying to go to Mars and bring back samples, right? I mean, it's exactly what we're trying right. to do. And so, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, to take samples would be, I think, just a natural scientific idea to to do. Um, it's very fascinating, man. That, that's a very fascinating story. And, and even, you know, your story, too, it's just like there's there's things that people see in the sky and and we don't know what it is uh i'm i'm kind of on the same line as you though i mean i i don't i don't object to the idea of there being extraterrestrials and at the same time i think sometimes what people are experiencing are more maybe governmental uh you know spacecraft or not spacecraft but aircraft that just really isn't on the radar yet you know so uh, and, and I'm not opposed to them keeping that secret either. I mean, I don't think we need to know everything, you know, because, you know, sometimes things are best left unsaid, you know, because if if we know everything that the government has, then so do our enemies. So <laughs> and oh, it yeah. kind of defeats the purpose. So but uh, yeah, man, listen, I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing these experiences. Uh, when it comes to all this different stuff that you've experienced, is there any kind of like it's hard to summarize everything into one cohesive uh, sentence or idea here, but with everything that you've experienced, has there ever been any kind of conclusions that you've come to like enlightening conclusions with all the stuff that you've experienced uh, that makes you just kind of like look at life a different way after you've experienced all this stuff and you look back at it? Well, I know that no matter what, you know, you know, with, with my faith that, that God's in control. You know, it's like this conclusion I've come to, I'll never get all the answers. And a lot of times when I stumble or come to a conclusion, all it does is lead me to more questions, which in case, in some cases is fun, but sometimes it's just absolutely frustrating, you know? And so, you know, when during my last tour, um, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. We we got a, a really um, crappy mission. We had to drive uh, some vehicles from Balad to uh, I'm sorry, from Q West to Balad. It's about like about five six hour drive, and um, but the equipment was in really really bad shape. We did what we could. The whole bailing wire, duct tape. I mean just. But, you know, extra fluids, just, all right, we're going to we'll make a run. We've got to do this at night. And it's through an area that, you know, it's just kind of a nerve-wracking mission. Um, I said, I promise to keep the cliff notes. Um, I was nervous about the details of the mission, and uh, we rolled out the gate, and I was praying. I knew just pray, and I would scan the road in front of me uh, from left to right, and look down at my gauges and then right to left um, across my gauges. Because when the gauges work, <laughs> keywords, when they're working good, that's your first indication that you're having trouble with your vehicle. And, um, I mean, it was just doing it. I mean, it's just a pattern, routine. And about two hours in this convoy, I looked up, and there in the truck, the truck in front of me, there was a, I saw two angels pushing this truck. I suddenly had a piece. Now, yeah, I kind of rubbed my eyes and uh, kind of blinked and like, all right, I'm, I'm not, not seeing anything. 
I watched them for like, I don't know, half a minute. I mean, I could see them. They're just pushing this truck in front of me. And they, before they came up on the truck, they had to be 12 feet tall pushing this truck. And I said that, I mean, I, I had a piece. I'm like, all right, God's got this, <laughs> you know? And after about half a minute watching and pinched myself a couple of times, I glanced down at my gauges and then glanced back up and they're gone, but I was okay. And, um, none of the equipment broke down, which I'm telling you, miracle. But after the mission, I, I went up to those guys and I said, Hey, tell me about your truck. And they said, how'd you know about our truck? I said, you wouldn't believe me. Just tell me about your truck. And they said, you know, we, we drove, it drove fine. You know, we, we stopped outside the the gate, which any, any veteran though, there's to get on base. You don't just drive on base. There's a series of stops, but they, you know, stopped, you know, got checked in, stopped, cleared weapons and drove it to where we had to party. They said, literally it, they pulled it up into the start into the place where they're supposed to park it. And the engine just died. And, uh, like they tried to restart it and it wouldn't restart. And I kept tabs on the truck. Maintenance had to work on that truck two days straight before that truck could even turn over. And so with that, which I had faith in God before that, but I mean, it's just, I, no matter, I mean, I'm not going to have answers for what all is going on in this world. And like I said, in some cases it's going to be fun trying to find answers. Um, with some of my, um, you know, there's some things I don't strive to find answers for, really. But um, I just know that, that God's got me. I'm in his hands. That he's, no matter what happens in this crazy world, and that he's got it. And so, that, I mean, that's just, that's where my faith is at. And, you know, may one, you know, one day when I die, I... Yeah, I'll be like, you know, if if I deem it important enough once, you know, I'm on the other side, I'll ask him, hey, can you try to explain this to me? You know, you know, show, yeah. show me how you got laid out. So, Well, I mean, I, I, I totally get where you're coming from, uh, but we're not done now because you just said you saw angels. So I have to ask you, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, I like, I, I'm, you're the first person that I have talked to that said they have seen angels. Now uh, I've heard people say, actually, I take that back. A, a guy in college said he saw angels, but I don't remember ever asking him what he saw. Uh, my grandfather said that people told him that angels were guarding him when he was younger, but uh, let's just dive yeah. into this for just a couple minutes here you okay. see okay, I, I got all the time for you okay. no, don't worry. You, you see two angels pushing this vehicle and you said mm -hmm. that they are around 12 feet tall which right there like uh reminded me of my grandfather's story of when he said that uh these people when they came down this driveway they would see these huge angels uh guarding their camp and so, like, the idea is, you know, it's a very common thing that these things, that these angels can be huge, but at the same time, they can be human size as well, because in the, in the Bible, Paul says to be very hospitable, because you never know when you're going to be in the presence of angels. So, I mean, we know that angels could look just like humans. 
now you said you saw angels. Is that because they looked like your like the idea of an angel, which is like wings and and like Garmin and stuff, or did they look like just twelve foot tall human beings pushing a a, a vehicle? I'd say twelve foot tall human beings. I mean, they were from like the neckline down. It was it was white, um, but I didn't see wings on them. Um, I mean, I could tell, and it's like the the motion. I mean, you could tell they were like just pushing. I mean, this truck. But uh, one had, um, I mean, they had hair. One had like a kind of a a, a, a I, would call, I call it like a dirty blonde type hair. Um, the other one had kind of a darker hair, but I mean, God, they were freaking huge. So, but yeah, I mean, they were just steadily pushing. And I mean, I got, I said, I wasn't, a, wasn't, I mean, wasn't dri- I was driving the truck. I mean, it was very caffeinated. <laughs> and then also the kind of the, the drilling, the area we're driving through there was, or that route, there was two groups that were operating at that time and they they kind of specialized in hitting convoys at night and so i mean it was just kind of you know nerve-wracking <laughs> driving yeah. through that area at night and it was just i mean i got my i said about about the height on the truck they're about 12 feet tall and that's i can tell you okay so, well i mean, I mean when you say that they were white from the head down, are you talking like it was like a white silhouette? Like there's no detail clothing or anything like that? Or was it like white clothing? It was, I would have to say probably like a white clothing type. Um, like it, it wasn't like a silhouette. I mean, it almost looked like a garment or, a, you know, clothing. almost like um, we joke around. Uh, they're, they're freaking comfortable. I ain't gonna lie. I've got one. Over, overseas, they call them man dresses. You you have you ever seen <laughs> my you know men wearing the traditional but the solid yeah you know outfit yeah I mean it's something solid and and white like that but you know it wasn't I mean they were they were broad talk about broad shouldered I mean they're 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 big yeah I I can imagine I I really I can imagine I uh wow so. Let me ask you, I mean, you see these two angels pushing this vehicle. You know, you're not the only one there. It's not like you were alone. And, I mean, I, I imagine nobody else saw it or else you would have said it. Why you? Why, why do you think you had the ability to see these angels? Do you think that it was something that they allowed you to see? Or do you think it's something that, like, you were, uh, for lack of better terms, prepared or ready to see? I think maybe it was both. Um, you know, there, there's an old saying, there's no atheist in a foxhole. <laughs> you know, which I didn't go over an atheist. Yeah. But literally, I mean, literally miracle after miracle. I mean, people stuff, people would shrug off. But you would have, um, uh, short example, My I called my dad and uh, he said, hey, what happened Tuesday at 2 a.m.? And then, of course, it became a math equation. I had to stop and think about the time zones. And I said, why? He says, God woke me and your mother up and told us to pray. And so we prayed. What happened? He didn't know, it, which I told him. I was like, oh, it's a mortar attack. And he didn't know it, but we're on a small outpost. 
there was a coordinated attack on the post. They detonate, they blew up a fuel truck front gate, a rocketed the back gate and, uh, dropped mortars on this compound. And it wasn't big compound. I mean, it was very coordinated, but when they blew up the fuel truck, um, it was a tanker full of fuel, right? I mean, think 18 wheeler, a fuel tanker, right? Fuel. Wow. And the cab of the truck was just gone, but there wasn't a scratch on that, that fuel tanker. Had that gone, I wouldn't be talking to you today. I mean, it probably wiped out the, the compound we were in probably half the village, you know? And I mean, with the more attack, everything happened. Nobody, including me, got a scratch on us. I mean, there is there is an atheist in my. I mean, going in, he was very much an atheist, and we were walking to the motor pool, and he said, "He goes, guys, you know, I'm a, I'm an atheist." He says, "You know that?" He says, "But I'm not an atheist anymore." He says, "Well, as many times as we've." been attacked and stuff has happened and we've walked away without a scratch when we shouldn't have walked away at all. He says, I know there's a God. There's something watching over us. And so, I mean, with that, it's just, I think that, I mean, that was where I was at, which, I mean, I was, I mean, I just, I knew there was a God that night and, you know, and just praying, I think, I think just calm me down. I was allowed to see those angels, but you know, and it's one of those things where I didn't think about it so much then, but afterwards there's that story in the Bible. And I think, uh, what's his name? Uh, Elisha. It wasn't Elijah. I think it was Elisha when the, the, uh, army surrounded the town, the little city that he was in, in the old Testament and his servant came out. I mean, and saw the army around him and, you know, freaked out. Who wouldn't, you know, like, we're going to die, you know? And, uh, he said, you know, Hey, don't worry. Those that are with us are greater than those that are against us. And the servant, the, the servant said, uh, you know, or Elisha said, uh, sorry, my phone kind of beeped in to make sure the, Elisha said, Hey, God, you know, God opened his eyes. And when the servant's eyes are open and he saw an army of fire, I think is the description surrounding that army. And so I think God knew all it took was for me to see two angels. Cause I mean, I was at peace after that. I was fine, relaxed, but I mean, I think it was just, God said, God said, you know, Hey, I'm going to open your eyes and you'll see these two guys, these two angels in front of you. You know, yeah. knew that I didn't need to see any more angels, but you know, cause good God, I think with just those two angels, you know, we could have been attacked. If those two angels are on duty, we're going to be fine. Yeah. No, man, you bringing up that Elisha story. I mean, that, <laughs> I mean, it really, it makes, it makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. Uh, I, I think it's fascinating. I think that, uh, the fact that you saw angels and you didn't even think to put it in my email, I, I, I scratched my head and I'm like, how, cause like, I'm telling you, man, like, like that stuff is, I find it so fascinating that 
people do see angels. And, uh, you know, why wouldn't they? I mean, how many times do we hear people say that they've seen demons, you know, and they've had oppression from demons and all that stuff. Well, if, if that's real, then sure. Why, why wouldn't, you know, the opposite be real as well and, and happening? So I, I just think it's fascinating that you were able to share that, man. I really appreciate that. So, uh, well, I'll tell you what, Seth, man, I really appreciate you coming on here tonight and just chatting with me and stuff. I don't want to hold you any longer. Uh, but it was just, it was, I, I can, I can only say it was a real pleasure talking to you. So I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. I mean, I enjoy it, hopefully, especially on the angelic side, you know, people realize that, you know, yeah, there's stuff we don't see, but like I said, from, from my faith and for those that, that believe in God, know, maybe, maybe they'll hear and just kind of take comfort and strength from that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, I really appreciate it, and I will talk to you later. If you have any other, you know, things that happen, just get a hold of me. You got my email. Okay, will do. All right, brother. Take care. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. I absolutely love talking to Seth and hearing some of the stories he had, especially that disappearing church. Absolutely fascinating, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I just want to remind you guys, we are going to the Frank Saris Library next Saturday, April 14th in Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania. The event starts at 1 o'clock. It's a Bigfoot Town Hall meeting, and I hope that if you're considering going, that you do commit to going, and I see you there next Saturday, April 14th. And if anybody else can't go, I'll see you right Right here next Saturday at 6 p.m. on The Confessionals. Take care, everybody. We'll